Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour of the Tuesday edition. Outkick 360, 6th and Peabody, our location. That's with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, the brewery and the distillery here on site with the Outkick Studios right behind the Music City Center in downtown Nashville. Going to uh, get into some Titans and Vols discussion this hour. You can chime in on the YouTube chat where you can find us there. You can also tweet us at Outkick360. Shout out to the entire Outkick staff for making today's show happen. And if you're with us across the network, we say hello. Uh, that includes YouTube and Twitter Live, but also uh, in Florence, Alabama, Muscle Shoals, uh, with Fox Sports Shoals um, in Huntsville, also with uh, Fox Sports Knoxville and in the Upper Cumberland with Sports Radio 104.7. We say hello to Cookville, Crossville, and beyond there. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360 if you're enjoying the show. Titans uh, have won the last two games over the Bills and the Chiefs. They now turn their attention starting tomorrow with a practice to get ready for the Indianapolis Colts, the divisional rival. Uh, what is a, a pivot game for the Colts and the Titans? The Titans win. They have a three-game lead with two straight wins, back-to-back -back wins, and a sweep over the Colts this season. That's it for the head-to-head matchups on the year. Uh, if the Colts win, it's now a one-game race in the division. Uh, and what is a, a massive jump up for the Colts uh, who really have, and you look at their roster and how banged up they've been and then their record where it was a couple of weeks ago to rattle off the three straight that they have after losing to the Ravens, uh, quite the turnaround there to position themselves with one win to get right back in the AFC South race. So guys, what, what have the Titans done with their two wins over six days and really over the last eight days, as they go into tomorrow, into week eight, what have they allowed themselves to now look ahead and foresee? Well, they could win the division on Sunday. Uh, we talked about that earlier in the week, but this game against the Colts, to sweep them this early in the season, to win on the road, and the Colts suddenly getting better, that that's the, that's the viable thing they can do right now uh, with this game. I think what they've shown, guys, is that A.J. Brown wasn't there for the Jets' loss, which was a horrific loss, and, and we didn't hold back any words after that loss. But now that A.J. Brown is back and getting healthier, they're starting to show that's another alpha on this team that they needed. And now that he's producing, they're starting to show a lot of that promise we thought they had in the preseason with this roster. I, I think more than anything, it shows just how important A.J. Brown is to this team, which we knew going in, but now we're starting to see it because of their production going up the moment he's back. Yeah, I, I think you're on the right track there. You're, you're announcing kind of we are the team people were, were suspecting we could be in the offseason when we completed this roster. This is without Julio Jones having done much yet. Um, so It's without Taylor Lewan really him, doing anything put, also. Put him in, and, uh, and things will really start to tick. And not just um, – you know, we're kings of the AFC South, but 
You better mention us as a possibility for that number one seed and, and a factor in these AFC playoffs um, where, you know, this is our Super Bowl window. We made a go-for-it move with, uh, with Julio Jones, and we're starting to deliver on some of that if, if, uh, if our unhealthy window is closing uh, and our key guys are going to be healthy the rest of the way here. Look out. You know, and I agree with all that. I, I also know that Vrabel and, and Robinson are realists. You know, they, they don't just wish upon a star with this. Um, and, and that's why we have to bring up this topic. This is a sign over the, la- over the two wins that they are not the same offense with Brian Tannehill out. That's a no-brainer. They, are not the, they can't run their offense without Derrick Henry. We know that. They can run their offense without Taylor Lewan. They cannot run their offense without A.J. Brown. Correct. And what? Big three. I mean, when you think about whiffing on a fourth-round wide receiver, whiffing on Josh Reynolds and signing him, um, the fact that if A.J.'s down, their explosion is gone in the pass game, the defenses don't have to respect you and, and the wide receivers on this team. They don't respect the tight end position either, for that matter. Do the, does Robinson have to look at this current roster and think, okay, we've got, what, seven, eight million available in cap space? Should we be active at the trade deadline at either position, wide receiver or tight end, to give Tannehill options in the pass game for separation? For I mean, again, he, it's not like he's hanging on to the football all that long. Uh, Next Gen Stats had the had the stat that uh, he was getting rid of the football faster than any quarterback has this year at just over two seconds per snap on average this past Sunday against the Chiefs. But there were, there were big plays there because they were putting the ball in A.J.'s hands. Either he finds separation or he's catching in traffic. The other receivers are not doing that. And I realize Julio Jones also on the roster. He's not A.J. Brown for this offense. Well, they've made the move. Uh, I I don't know if we could say he's not A.J. Brown for this offense because we haven't seen him yet. If he's healthy and A.J. Brown were to be out, I, I'm not saying it, but I think they think he could be that. The two of them in tandem, very dangerous if they're both healthy. Then if one of them's out, the other one can maintain the danger factor at that position. I feel like they feel like they're insured they're there. Crippled. But it's not. If he's AJ's not, down, they're crippled. I don't know, Paul. That's such a big if. If he's healthy, he's not going to be healthy. I mean, he's going to be healthy here and there. The, the, right. the time. Let's. People in Atlanta, hey, you know, he's great when he's out there. He doesn't practice, and then if he's healthy, he's. This is a. This is not. This is a trend now with Julio Jones. I mean, this is who Julio Jones well, is. I, I don't disagree. He's not going to be fully healthy this move. season. Of course they made that, the move. That's but, the move they But made. going back to what Hutton said about John Robinson's got to be a realist. Josh Reynolds move. You can't just go back and say, well, they made the move. They also made the move and took a right tackle who never played, and they had to cut their losses. I mean, you got it. You make the move, and then you see the reality and say, and react to it. he's not going to be completely healthy. We'll get out of Julio Jones what we can get when he's out there, and I think they're going to continue to try to do that. But I think it would be foolish to sit back and say, well, if he's healthy... We're going to keep wishing upon a falling star well, and crossing our fingers uh, and, and hoping it, he's fully healthy. That's not going to happen. Well, it, again, though, look, certain guys, if they disappear, you're dead. They're not going out and saying, where's our Derrick Henry backup? Now, I know he's been incredibly healthy also, but you don't have an alternative to, to, uh, no, they don't. to, to Ryan let, Tannehill. Let, let you don't you an have an alternative to Derrick Henry. And your alternative to, to, uh, to 
A.J. Brown is Julio Jones, which is a lot better than your alternative to Derrick Henry or Ryan Tannehill. Well, let me give you the alternative to Julio Jones just never being healthy this year, which it looks like is going to be the case. Not fully. He's going to play, but he's not going to be 100% for any large stretch of the season. Evan Ingram. He's not a receiver. Well, Evan Ingram doesn't have a history of being particularly healthy. But either. he's a receiving threat. I mean, he's a he's a target. Well, they, he's someone else tight, that could alleviate some of that pressure. I, I have a different feeling about tight end because tight end is another position where they were just completely nonchalant about it. Oh, John, who's gone? We'll just move everybody up and we'll be fine. Now, at least personnel-wise, they've gone away from it. But tight end's another thing that pisses me off with their just like the arrogant nonchalance. Like, oh, ho-hum. We'll just, and quite frankly, they're doing okay without it. But it's odd to me how unconconcerned they are. They're doing okay without it because A.J. Brown is producing now. Yeah. My my point there is this is not a window that's open for four or five years. No. It's it's not. Now and 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 maybe next year. I don't even know if it's next year. Because the offensive line is going to be shaking. Well, at some point, at some point, you're going to have to pay the piper on the mistakes in the draft. Two straight drafts where you're not getting much in return. If, if, I mean, very little. And you're going to have to make a decision on Lawan. It's very affordable to get rid of him. And again, you're winning without him. Um, you're going to have to make a decision on Saffold. You're going to have to make a decision on Ben Jones. So uh, you're going to have to make a decision on Julio Jones. You're going to have to pay A.J. Brown. All of these decisions come up a year from now. What are you doing right now to capitalize on the fact that you're 5-2 and two and you're about to coast into the playoffs because you're in the AFC South if you win this week? And it's two days before the trade deadline. I would ensure that you get one more weapon because if you're down one weapon right now, the three are weapons are Tannehill, Henry, and AJ that I say you cannot live without because it's the explosion factor of AJ Brown. Julio's not catching a four yard hitch and taking it to the house. He's going deep. He's getting the 51 yard bombs. AJ's doing more than that. He's the, he's the key to the passing game. And if you have to respect A.J. Brown, then it's pick your poison on Derrick Henry, on Julio Jones, on the tight end with Michael Pruitt. My point there is, Paul, I think they have to make some type of adjustment given the fact that things have not worked out with Josh Reynolds. There is no next option if Julio steps into A.J.'s role. Who steps into Julio's role? They don't have that guy. They don't even have that guy tied in that can take over some of that production because you don't know if Ferkser is going to even have the one game that he had last year against the Texans in week five. They need more to their passing game and more consistency there than the... Uh, there was no... Everything was confined to a box. A I don't know who, box. That, who that guy is and how much he costs. And I'm just I think we should start asking that question. Devil's advocate now. I can't see John Robinson, who's without a second. And I'm not saying he should keep it, you know, not even consider it first, all of that. I understand his first-round track record. John Robinson's not going into this draft minus a first and a second. And he's not going into this draft, I don't think, minus a second and a third. So the most he'd give up is a fourth, but probably a fifth. And is he getting something for a fourth and a fifth that's going to be the caliber of player you're talking about? He's not. Um, Zach Ertz was just traded for a sixth-round pick. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe for a short-term guy. Jamison Crowder, you know, somebody like that. These guys are not expensive. You Teams can, are selling because they get, want these guys off the they, books. They want off them their off books the, and, yep. they're, and they're short, short-timers. But, like, is Jamison Crowder an answer to you? Yes. Yeah, it's better than Josh Reynolds. I'm compare, Everybody you're going to mention, I'm going to compare to Josh Reynolds, who is a zero right now. He had one catch this past week. Yeah, but see, I think Marcus Johnson is better than Josh Reynolds. 
Well, who's better, Jamison Crowder or, or Marcus Johnson? Jamison Crowder, but Jamison Crowder would get here and it'd take two weeks before he'd see the field. And I just don't think it has to be that way, though. It does not. You're, you're, oh, you're talking be. in a I'm way I'm telling you how it will happen. Uh, not how we want it to happen, how it will happen. It does not have to be that I'd way. I'd rather... But they're not going to change how they operate. It's not going to be different than that. You know it'll take that two weeks for him to be on the field here. Well, they also, they also have other options uh, in, uh, across the, the trade board here because they need help at defensive back. I mean, they, they're showing you right now. I mean, they won against the Chiefs. I'm, I'm here to tell you, if they can't rush with four, they're not going to be able to cover with seven. Uh, they're going to have to send an extra man to manufacture a pass rush. The they're an injury their way. And it's, it's early enough in the season where you have to start thinking postseason. You build, I'm trying to think from the perspective of where is this roster in January and what is worst-case scenario positionally? And I would rank A.J. Brown ahead of whatever's happening on defense because with A.J., your offense is back. You're getting 30 points a game, and you know the big three are going to show up week to week because they did last year. The big three, Tannehill, Henry, A.J., that's that those guys show up every week I, i'm gonna take it back like if you could if if you traded for julio jones and you couldn't count on more health than this from him then we should pick apart that trade not look for another trade but to make my, up for the failure my of that point trade. is you need julio you need aj more if aj's down this this offense is still easy to cover from the from the uh, passing down situation well I, I'm not disagreeing with you entirely, but we're saying one guy down there. Is this team there, winning the Super Bowl without one, A.J. Brown? No. No, but it's not. Uh, again, the substitute for A.J. Brown should be Julio Jones. Yeah, but my, my point is the, the window of opportunity, I, I would view it as here and now, capitalizing on what you have available with guys in their prime. We are watching Derrick Henry in his prime at his best in that prime window. Capitalize on the run game with the play action and, and AJ. And I'm not I'm not saying AJ's injury prone. He played injured last year and gave you the production. He did a thousand yard season and he's he's spectacular. But we also saw what happened whenever he was down with a hammy. And he luckily for the Titans, he was back quick. But um uh, to Chad Chad's been hitting on this with with the big two with AJ and Julio. You've got to have them because the other two behind them are just, they're no threat. You're, you're covering them 10 yards and in. They're not running past you. AJ's Matt, catching it and running past you. Matt in the YouTube chat says, bring Jared Cook home <laughs> as an option. They Jared need, Cook went away and had a really nice uh, career. End, oh, a long, the, long the biggest career. disappointment. Um, well, they basically decided they were three tight, uh, three wide teams. I mean the numbers yeah, are until up, they up until they opened up in too tight on the first play against the Cardinals. Yeah, but they still percentage wise too tight is, is substantially down from thirty five percent last year. It's more like thirteen, I think, this year. Um, so and, and, and look, that's smart based on the tight ends they have on the roster. I don't I don't want to see Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferkser on the field at the same time. Do you? Uh, it depends if Tanhill's getting sacked five times a game. Then you have to put two tight ends. Yeah, well, on the field. quite frankly, those guys aren't aren't helping a lot in the in the blocking game when they've been getting sacked a lot. They they weren't doing a lot. Their their best blocking tight end, Swain, hasn't hasn't helped enough in pass protection. Run blocking, okay. This team we know. Run blocking, they're going to be okay. It's the pass protection issue 
that becomes an issue when they're not blocking well. But they should have done something more at tight end. They didn't have to go top end tight end. No, They no, just no, had no. to get somebody but they, who was a rounded tight end a better version of Michael Pruitt. Now, with what they have, Michael Pruitt should be at the head of the line. We all agree. Mm-hmm. He did get the most snaps this week, but that should he should start to spread away from the pack now. There's nothing wrong with what they've done over the last week on the field. My point is, I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking at worst-case scenario, knowing that there's a window over the next seven days to help out a position. What position is it on offense? For me, it's wide out or tight end. And, and I know how banged up they are on the offensive line. But I've, I, I feel as though they can get rid of the football quickly and get the football in the hands of some premier playmakers. And I don't know if those guys are available. I need an option. I need, and, and I wouldn't be saying this if they had a fourth-round wide receiver that was worth anything or if they had a, a Josh Reynolds who's capable of being a number two wide out in the league. He's not. He's, he's not consistent enough. He doesn't step up to the plate. And that, that, to me, is definitive. Some days he wakes up sore, weeks. huh? He doesn't know if he's a 26-year-old guy who said, you know, some days I wake up feeling good, and some days I don't. Sounds I, like your grandpa. I think they had all of this, what I'm describing, in mind when they signed Reynolds. And the fact that he hasn't worked out and the fact that they don't have their uh, fourth-round wideout, who's supposed to be the top-end wideout of the draft for, for this team, to me, there's a move to be made there. I could be dead wrong. Maybe it's a guy that's on the waiver wire. But, man, they, they need that play-action ability. Tannehill's really picked that up over the last two games. And look what's happened. The offense came to life in the second half against the Bills, and it hasn't stopped yet. A.J. Brown, by the way, uh, look, guy's a terrific player. Outstanding. But he's had some nagging stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, last year he played through two knees and had a great year, but he still had two knees. Mm-hmm. And this year... You know, the food poisoning is unfortunate, but he's had the hamstring. It helps him if this guy's contractually on the field. to be on the field yeah. doing, doing what he does. He doesn't need to be missing any more games or be uh, at a point where they're snap counting him. More coming with the discussion on the Titans. Paul's going to tell you what to watch for this week. Three big things to watch for as they prepare for the Indianapolis Colts. That's next on OutKick 360. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we discuss a uh, look ahead for the Tennessee Vols. Off this week, then on to Lexington to face the Wildcats in Kentucky. A week of improvement and a chance to heal. We'll get into the Tennessee Vols discussion coming up. If you were watching the show during the breaks, uh, you're welcome for that hot dog eating display that I put on uh, two segments ago. You're a master. Got it down quick. <laughs> All the way down. All yes, of it. yes, you did. All down. You're never going to be. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram for a video. You're never going to be John Glennon, who once ate eight Liberty Bowl press box hot dogs in in one halftime slash second half. Which one of the most disgusting well, was, things I've ever seen. Well, well I, do, I can easily. Deer, or he was that no, hungry. he's hungry. I can hungover easily and hungry. do that. If you want to know what you make as a rider? There you go. You're going to eat hot dogs at the Liberty Bowl. And was he just storing up for the rest of the week? <laughs> so I'm going to eat all eight right now. And I won't have to eat for a day and a half. The guy was hungover and hungry, but these were disgusting hot dogs. I mean, these made the Nissan Stadium press box hot dogs look like filet mignon. Oh, that's... So how's, that, how's that sound for very daddy's dogs? Pink. So they were slightly more green than the ones there, is what you're saying? Daddy's dogs a bit better than that, Chad. Daddy's oh, dogs daddy's here dogs at are Peabody are great. 
Yeah, and I love, and the bun is excellent. And I love the artistry of the way the daddy's dog <laughs> sprinkles <laughs> that ketchup and mustard the on mustard it. Is and every single person that works there does it exactly the same way. They're coached. They're well yeah. coached. It's very well done. Uh, Titans are well coached as well. Uh, look at them uh, all of a sudden uh, beating the Bills, the Chiefs. And uh, but speaking of coaching, did you know Andy Reid is like two and eight or two and nine all time against the Tennessee Titans? I did not know that. But now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. I feel I'm trying like to think there was about a his gap. history with them, and I, I see it. I feel like there was a little gap. Like they've played them a lot lately. I feel like before this stretch, the Vrabel era, Malarkey, the tail end of Malarkey and Vrabel, that there was a gap where the Titans didn't play them frequently. Go back to the Chris Johnson well, drums game. Well, that would have been when he's with the Eagles, and that would make total sense uh, because he in the NFC. No, but he's been there since 2013. Yeah, the year before Mahomes, right? Yeah. Two years before Mahomes. Two years before Mahomes, I think. Chris Johnson's playing the drums in 2008. Okay. <laughs> well, that's too far back. Yeah, but I, I'm saying I, I, I remember... I can say that's too far back. I remember I like, a Vince Young Titans team going to Philly and winning when he was the coach also. That was the game that, that Vince that missed Vince the missed the playing. Yeah. yeah. Very controversial. I remember that. I can remember the Titans beating a Donovan McNabb quarterback, Andy Reid, Eagles team. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but when I, the memory banks start firing, I'm like, you know what? Those Titans, they've had some success against old Andy Reid. How do they find success against the Colts? They haven't swept the Colts uh, since 2017. And before that year, you have to go back 15 years to 2002. The first uh, year of the AFC South. Yes. Uh, they've only swept the Colts twice in the history of the AFC That's South. Simple. And they have a chance to do it this Sunday uh, and take a commandy lead in the AFC South as they go into the backstretch of the season, the second half of the season. Paul, uh, three things you're on the lookout for this week for the Titans uh, as they prepare for Indy. Three things that need to be big factors here, uh, in no particular order. One is offensive line health, right? I mean, Saffold struggled with the shoulder before this week, uh, finished the Bills game, then doesn't uh, in and out of this last game against Kansas City with a thigh and ultimately didn't finish. Nate Davis was out with cramps. Um, Lawan didn't even start with the concussion. Kendall Lamb replaced him, sprained his ankle. We saw Bobby Hart. Um, it's a mess up there. Now, they played well collectively, um, but the, the, the Colts have 15 sacks, which is a, a reasonable number. Mm -hmm. uh, DeForest Buckner is a beast up front. And you want to settle down. Uh, Titans need to get settled on the offensive line, play everybody the whole game, which is the way it usually happens. But it's not been happening for them. How many sacks did the Colts have? Um, In the first game, they had two sacks. Okay. And They've they had since then two, 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 one. So it's not like they're a terror up front. No. But no, the but Titans need to not let them get going on that front. Steady. Get everybody in there and be steady. Agreed. Number two, Wentz. Oh, by the way, we don't know this, the the status of Lawan, but I he, he I mean, there's back. yeah, he sh I think we should typically you'd be. Back. Can we get the Chiefs protocol. doctor to uh, look at uh, Lawan? <laughs> no doubt, because uh, that was, that was oh. a quick concussion protocol for Patrick Mahomes, who was able to go back in the game. Second, I have Carson Wentz. He was 19 of 37, 51 percent here. Long pass of 36 yards. That was to Naheem Hines, the running back. He couldn't walk. He had two sprained ankles. He was a mess. Since then, 
119.5 passer rating, 8.9 yards per attempt, pretty good number. Eight touchdowns, no picks. He's run the ball 13 times, not for anything fancy, under three yards, but he can go if he needs to. He's been a different guy since then, a healthier guy. This is nothing like the quarterback the Titans saw the first time. Much better version of himself. Titans have to be aware of that uh, and, and on guard for that. It might be without T.Y. Hilton. Okay, I was going to bring that up. Who did not play last week. So he played um, the week before, I think, in his first and game And made back, an impact. And made an impact and then was out again. So it must have had a setback or gotten hurt in that game. I don't know exactly what happened. But he changes their complexion also. Yes. Um, <laughs> let me quickly look up his injury. Um, because it, it, this is an all all hands on deck game for Indy. They and they're all out. Yes, they need to play team. this like an end of season elimination like get in the playoffs game. This needs to feel like an end of December early January week 16 week 17 game for the Colts. He suffered a quad injury in the fourth quarter. He did not practice. This was 2 weeks ago. He did not practice at all last week and they ruled him inactive. Did not fly him to San Francisco. Now, so big what, day tomorrow. For what him. we don't know about that decision and what factors into it sometimes weather and with that you know the soon they knew it was bomb, coming whatever bomb cyclone you know you're not going to throw it all that much although they did uh, they they did to their bigger receivers i wonder if that played a factor in his ability with the quad injury now being at home in the dome week off they know if they get that win what it sets up potentially for tennessee not expecting not knowing not expecting but not knowing if the Titans would beat the Chiefs, you know, you have a chance to tie, not just to have a one-game advantage, potentially, given the scenario of last week. Maybe that all played a factor in why he was inactive. I, He didn't practice at all, though, so that's not a good sign for him. I'm interested Tomorrow's now. Tomorrow's a big oh, day. Oh, absolutely. Tomorrow, Tomorrow on Thursday. Is a big injury. Quickly, let me jump in here, because yeah, this is amazing from uh, Dominic in our uh-huh. YouTube chat right now. We were just talking about LaJuan, starting to get me thinking about the first week and the, the bad game against Arizona. Uh, Dominic says that Chandler Jones had five sacks against the Titans. He's had zero since. That's that's right. I just went and looked up the stats to make sure that he's right. Five sacks against the Titans and none since. I yep. think he might have just been activated off of IR, which would have meant he, he missed. missed the last three games. So not quite as ridiculous as it would Still seem pretty if he's crazy. been out three games. My, anyway, my last point, Sorry, my last point here, and I think this is the biggest um, last game, the Colts ran 18 times for 87 yards. Not outstanding, but enough to balance things out. The Titans have to make him throw. Okay, against Josh Allen, they had three sacks. He had 47 attempts. Mm. Against uh, Patrick Mahomes, they had four sacks. He had 35 attempts. Last two games for Carson Wentz, he's had 20 attempts and 26 attempts. He's not throwing the ball that much. Titans' pass rush has been a revelation. I wrote about it today. But if he's not dropping back, they're not going to sack him. <laughs> and, and their pass rush has taken control of some games. It took control of the Kansas City game. But if he's dropping back 15 fewer times, they've got 15 fewer chances to affect the game. Um, so they teams? ran 26 times and passed 20 times two games ago. They ran 33 times against San Francisco in that rain and only passed 26 times in, in the Cyclone. So they've got to force him to pass. Jonathan Taylor averaging 5.5 yards a carry. 
He's got five touchdowns. They've got to force the game, and you hear this all the time, stop the run, put it on the quarterback. Yep. Titans, the way they're rushing the passer right now, want very much for Carson Wentz, who's mobile but not mobile in the fashion that the teams they've been playing is mobile. Here you've got a quarterback who's going to be at the spot if you can make him drop back. They've got to shape the game so that he's got to drop back and get him to throw, get him to, to attempt more than 20 or 26 throws. Get him up yes. in the 30s. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And um, even more important, I think, not just on the pass attempts, but third and long. Uh, obvious passing downs and third and long where he's going to have to throw for more than 10 yards because point of this out preseason, um, it, with, with Frank Reich's offense, they're going to make things in completion percentage very high for their quarterbacks, especially as they learn this offense. Uh, and Wentz already comes in knowing it. He's, he's protecting the football exceptionally well, given his track record in Philly. Yep. Um, he's not turning it over. And can you force some third and longs where you know he's going to have to force the issue, allow your pass rush to get to him, and then hope that a, a depleted secondary with a, you know, can be opportunistic, much like what we saw with Rashawn Evans and, and David Long this and past week. And you're talking third and long. Like I said, since the Titans saw him, 8.9 per attempt yes that's a high number that's going to convert some third and longs so um different guy different team Uh, yeah the titans are better than the colts i think we'd all agree the titans are better than the colts that does not guarantee a win over the colts in indianapolis and i know you mentioned this Wentz uh threw it he was hobbled and he had 37 pass attempts against the titans in week three they only ran it with their top two backs 16 times uh with taylor and hines Titans did a good uh, a good job shaping that game. They need to do it again defensively here, and um, for whatever reason, Akeem Hines, Naheem Hines is the uh, is the guy to watch. This uh, Nashville week. thinks that guy is way better than he is because every time he plays against the Titans, he does something. He but had, I, I, I watched the Colts play other games, and he looks completely five catches amped. out of the backfield for fifty four yards in Week Three against the Titans. He had six carries for twenty five yards. He's not that good. I watch him in other games, and you know, yeah. people puff him, pop him up in in pregame, and then he he's just a uh, he's not much more than a guy. Jack Rabbit is in for a physical battle against Pittman if that's who they choose to to put on him. Um, Pittman's Michael, good. They just lack the the speed element. Hilton Pittman reminds still, me a lot of AJ in a way. He wears the same number. He's stocky. He's, he fights for the football. He's got you know, some he's, of that. He's boxing you out. Um, you're in a war with him, and he, they're gonna they're gonna force it to him. They're gonna. I mean, he's gonna get 12 targets a game, and the hope is you can hold him to 50 percent catch rate and get him on to those the 12 targets. Yeah, and I think the Titans held him to something around that in Week Three. He had five or six catches. Um, but it wasn't for anything big. It was five or six catches, 60 yards, 70 yards. I mean, you'll, you'll take that if he's not you know, a red zone target, getting in the end zone and putting points on the board. Tight end has always been a, uh, a big factor for them in this Mo offense. Mo Alley-Cox is, has been playing. I know this because I picked him up in a jam on, on a fantasy team. And Jack Doyle is not the same type of uh, Jack Doyle's gone player. downhill since Andrew Luck yeah. left. Uh, he hasn't meant the same thing to other players, which lends you to believe that uh, Andrew Luck did a lot of making so Jack Doyle Jack benefits Doyle. of being a part of the Andrew Luck book club. That's probably what he did. <laughs> Once he got in that book club, then they had a better chemistry, and he found his guy. Often, often maybe Wentz ought to start up a book club. 
Um, any movement today with the, the roster on the off day? Uh, they Not- dropped three guys from the practice squad I'd never heard of and signed Makai Sargent back to the practice squad and, and uh, a new defensive lineman. Uh, listen, the overreaction, again, I want to educate the marketplace. Makai Sargent being cut, you would have thought they cut Eddie George um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and uh, yeah. Kinsey being promoted. You would have thought, uh, I mean, if Kinsey's as great as everybody thought, how did he let that punt bounce? Drew Bennett has oh come home. <laughs> Drew Bennett has come back. We love, we love a white receiver in Nashville. Yeah, we do love, I, I think a lot of places love a, love a white receiver. We see that with fans uh, in, in many instances. Chandler in the YouTube chat has this question. Raiden's got some plays at guard, didn't he? Seems like I saw him come in and didn't see any glaring mistakes. Is that progress? <laughs> uh, he came in twice for Saffold. Um, didn't see any glaring mistakes. Well, he think? started. Well, he came in at left guard, then he moved to right guard when Nate Davis went down. And yeah, he played both guard spots uh, because Saffold and Davis were down separate of each other. Though Corey Levin got one snap in there, so maybe there was slight. No, there was overlap. there was a there was one instance where Saffold was on the bench because um, he had just gone off again. Uh, Raidens was in at left guard, and they they had uh, Nate Davis took a knee or something with cramps. He had to go in at right guard, and they put in. in. Uh, they did not put Levin in. Um, they chose to keep Levin on the sideline because he's the only guy who could snap on their offensive line as a backup. So they wanted to keep him healthy. They didn't want to put him in at guard and have him get hurt because they have. If Ben Jones went down, they had no one else to snap the football. So what they do? Saffold came back in. No, they put in. Um, there was nobody else. No, they moved somebody over there to left guard. Or maybe Saffold was able to go back in that play. Saffold must have come back in because that maxed out the guards. And Bobby Hart did an admirable job also at left tackle. You didn't really hear his name. Um, so well, more power to him. In two seconds. Yeah, well, uh, listen, they made it work. Yes. That's what you have to do. You have to make it work. So they made it work because A.J. was able to get separation quickly. Yes. Like it, it, you have to be able off the line – to get win. separation and win. And A.J.'s really the only one that can consistently do it. Speaking of offensive line, we talked yesterday about Trey Smith, the, the rookie guard out of Tennessee for the Chiefs, his rough day. I saw a, a scout's account, uh, someone who you know scouts football on, yeah. on Twitter for something. I, another scout I follow retweeted this person, and it said how great of a job Trey Smith did against Jeffrey Simmons on some snaps, and it played the first snap of the game for the Chiefs. At first, I thought it was a sarcasm. When I saw, watch Trey Smith and the amazing job he does against Titans defensive line. And the first snap of the game, they said that you rarely see someone attack Jeffrey Simmons this way. Trey Smith gets his helmet knocked off on the play, but ends up pancaking Jeffrey Simmons without a helmet. And play number two, he basically does the same thing. Just completely goes after him. Now, that didn't, some bad snaps that didn't help him in pass protection. Uh, but I think the, one of them was a pass protection play. But it was just odd that I... because. When I saw Trey Smith, he was getting beat by Danico Autry or beat by Jeffrey Simmons. But apparently this scout saw some good things at the start of the game on the first couple of snaps. It's just, it, I say all that to say that it's funny how we rate offensive linemen. Yeah. And we rate offensive linemen like Chandler in the YouTube chat rates offensive linemen. He had a couple snaps and I don't remember seeing disaster, right? Yeah, well, 20, how, how, do we, how do we rate Taylor Wan this year? Disaster. Snaps. Because he had a disastrous snaps. game, right? I mean, that's snaps. 
But that's that's the position. I mean, those guys snaps. know that. I mean, that's a big occasion when the Titans can get a first or second round offensive lineman, twenty two <laughs> snaps in one whole game. That's not like uh, so far in seven games. That's in one game. You think that's more offense. or less than what Bobby Hart received? Bobby so, Hart played more than that. Chad, I don't know. We've had someone with a webcam company overtake our YouTube chat now, so we got to get that out of here quickly. Bobby Hart played more. Uh, distracted played, me when I looked down. Bobby Hart that. played ten more snaps. 42, 62% well, of the snaps. Um, Jacob says, you know, nice job. playing a couple snaps for Raiden's is progress. Just seeing the field is progress for him at this point. They got to get those guys together and healthy. Yep. And, and you're right. The single biggest thing, Hutton, that makes it feel like the window is short is that offensive line. The left side. Lawan's injuries, Saffold's age, Jones's age, and contract. Yep. It's, uh, it looks like a very narrow window. Can they capitalize on it? Well, keep keep AJ Brown healthy. Keep him in bubble wrap during the week. Uh, Julio, for that matter, as well. Um, and we it goes without saying uh, the guys under center and and uh, behind, behind Tannehill in the backfield. Coming up, we uh, switch gears. So, guys, we've been to, together as a show for close to a decade now. Today marks the return of one of our favorite games, which oh. is the SEC. All, all SEC first-team basketball team preseason uh, prediction game. is out today. You guys get to guess how many players made the first-team basketball team, which is five players at a time. How many players are on that SEC first team? You can play five. My guess is it's more than five who made Much the team. more than five. Can more play at home, too. We'll also talk some uh, Vols football next on OutKick 360. Oh, kick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody. Yeehaw beer, old smoky moonshine. So the coaches have voted in the SEC. First team, all SEC basketball team. Okay. Not who's on it. How many players are on this basketball team? Which, so, if you've been following sports lately, you realize that there are five players on a basketball team at once. Well, the yeah. number's eight and a half. You it's think it's either eight or nine. Okay. Normally, I, I'm right there with you. Although, I think last year they had seven and shocked us Which all. is a huge shock. A um, huge shock, which means they probably make up the right for answer. it. They might go to ten. They, I, went, they went closer <laughs> to the right answer last year. I, so, if the number is eight and a half, over, under, eight and a half, I would say under by a half. Yeah. I would say eight are on the starting five. <laughs> I, I, too, would say eight, but... You know, I, I think because we've gotten to them with this, this, is a, with this pressure. For those new to the show, but I'm going to go ahead and say nine. We are anti everyone gets a trophy. I'm, I'm going to say there, trophy. there's and a this tie. Is a, this is an example of that where you hand out eight first team preseason awards for a team that could possibly play five at a time. I'm going to say there was a tie that pushed them to nine. Okay, eight. They went in the right direction a year ago, getting Wrong closer to five. This year. They Nine. went in the wrong direction Nine. this year. Both of you are off. Ten. Ten. Holy wow. hell. Wow. Ten players on That's the All-SEC team. So the, I'm not the even All-SEC gonna go through, team is two teams. I'm not even going to go through a lot of the names. Itself, you could scrimmage. It could scrimmage. Well, it's, it's, it's nearly a football roster. I'll give you the – we're in the Tennessee Power. In some cases, it's the Titan special teams lining up with ten. Yeah. Uh, John Fulkerson and Scottie Pippen Jr. are first-team All-SEC. They're, they're two of the ten. Those are the two – in-state connections. Mm-hmm. The second team is just a collection of either freshmen that no one's seen play college basketball yet that are five-star freshmen or transfers within the conference. 
Example, Xavier Pinson from Missouri is now at LSU. He's second team all SEC. Uh, there was another one on this list, too, that I saw was another uh, transfer. This woman is baffled that our door is locked. I mean, she does not um, want to come to terms with it. Who, anyway, that, I don't want to go into all the names because, quite frankly, that would take too long to get through 10. That's outrageous. It's too many. It's way too much. The week off for the Why balls. Why not just take the second 10 and make them the second team? Well, the second team, I didn't even tell you guys how many the second team has. Seven. Sorry. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, my God. There are 18 players. 18 At this players point, you should teams. be upset if you didn't make first or second team. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't make first or second team you preseason suck. all SEC, I mean, you're, you're not a scholarship player. No. I mean, I, I mean GTFO. Your yeah. NBA hopes are completely yeah. dead. You're transferring to MTSU. Time to head to the OVC if you're um, not first or second team. Uh, the, the Vols on the gridiron preparing for Kentucky. If you're a Vols fan, you want to scout the opponent, pretty good game Saturday night. SEC Network game, 6 o'clock Central kickoff, Kentucky at Mississippi State, um, where we get to see this Kentucky offense with a chance to show something against the Mississippi State defense they should be able to score against, quite frankly. Uh, but an offense at Mississippi State that's coming together. Uh, we, Chad mentioned it was Vandy. Uh, it was Vanderbilt to tie in the opening segment of the show, Vanderbilt. But uh, Mike Leach has uh, the, the offense playing a lot better for the Bulldogs now than where they were at the start of the year. Interesting matchup for the Wildcats and a great, a great chance to scout the opponent this week, Chad, and um, prepare for a Wildcats team that offensively has not reached the bar the way we thought they would at the beginning of the season, albeit they have found a way. But it sets up an interesting matchup for the Vols if Kentucky wins this week and they go to Lexington with a chance to make a statement. Yeah, Kentucky struggled in Starkville, by the way. Uh, something to watch there. Only a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Mississippi State. So that should be a good game. You're right about that. So Kentucky, transitive property in sports is always a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Always. But Kentucky, yes, they beat Florida at home. Great win. They also won by seven over Missouri, by six over South Carolina, by five over UT Chattanooga, and I'm leaving someone else off the list, too, that you, Kentucky LSU. played very close. They blew out LSU. Um, but I say that to say that Tennessee, if they play well, they blew out Missouri, 62-24. They blew out South Carolina. They can beat Kentucky. They're going to beat Kentucky. They can beat Kentucky. Now, they've got to get Tyon Evans especially healthy. Nick Saban said he is their best player. He is their best player on offense. Not the, not the quarterback who's third in the country in passer rating. Tyon Evans, their best player. He, he had seven carries, I think, on Saturday night. It was clearly not 100%. He needs to get 100%. He was hurt. Hendon Hooker needs to get 100%. Those are the two that matter more than anyone else. Cooper Mays, he played Saturday night, should be at 100%. Cade Mays, based on his injury, should be able to go. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he's 100%. Kentucky, very good on both lines of scrimmage. Offensive line, and running the ball very good, defensive line very good. Tennessee, whose defensive line has been a pleasant, a bright spot this year, they're going to need to be a full go. Tennessee's offensive line is going to be better. I think Tennessee could win this game. We got a long time to prepare for that game and see what happens with Kentucky and Mississippi State. But guys, it's really the last toss up on the schedule because after Kentucky, Tennessee's got a loss to Georgia, which is going to be a loss, and two games which absolutely should be wins South Alabama and Vandy. The last two weeks of the season should get them to at least six wins. This Kentucky game is going to be an opportunity 
for a true signature ranked win for Josh Heupel in year one, which he doesn't have right now. Chad, be our Bob Ross as we wrap up. Okay. Uh, first pitch tonight, 7.09, Braves-Astros. At 7.08, paint the picture of what you're going to be doing. 7.08. Daniel Tiger's going to be on. Well, if you saw that um, hot That's dog I that I downed earlier, maybe I'll be <laughs> grilling another hot dog because it's baseball time. I'll be uh, grilling a hot dog. I'll be pulling that hot dog off the grill. I'll be walking inside. I'll be telling my daughter to turn Daniel Tiger off. My two-year-old daughter, that's right. I'll tell her to GTFO with Daniel Tiger. I'll be turning the Braves on. I will be ready to go. Watching game one. Eddie Rosario, Jocktober, Adam Duvall. All rise tonight. It is. It's time, boys. Enjoy the World Series. We'll recap it tomorrow. Primary complaint and more for OutKick 360. Tell those children not to block the box and to lock the locks.